right, welcome to Film Yak, a weekly podcast on discussions for film. Today we'll be doing a deep dive into Rick Alverson's The Comedy, a movie that our uh, co-host here, John, has picked. So I'm your host, Jordan. I've got John and Kevin with me today. What have y'all been getting into? Let's start with you, John. Um, I rewatched The uh, Dark Knight. Why? Because I know you hate this film. I do not like it. I, I was on. Yeah. Uh, it was, we have uh, <clears throat> we have streaming Directv, which is called Directv now, and uh, through our Apple TV, and we pay for HBO and Cinemax, which is only like five bucks, so it's really cheap, you know. Mm. So uh, we mainly do that so we can watch the HBO shows. But um, I don't know. The other night there was nothing on, and uh, The Dark Knight was just starting, and I was like, well. You should probably watch this opening bank robbery scene because it's like Heat inspired, you know. And I like, yeah. just watched Heat like a couple of months ago, so I was like, I just want to see how this goes. And, uh, and then you got sucked in. And then in, by, the huh? time it, by the time it ended, <laughs> I was like, oh, there's that other scene coming up where he like does the, the, the magic pencil trick, trick thing. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, well, we'll watch that. And my wife really likes the movie, so I'm like, well, okay. you know, we'll we'll watch it. And uh, and she was like, she said the same thing. She's like, why? Are, you know, we don't have to watch this. Like, I know you don't like it. And I was like, well. It's just like, I'm bored. Like, I don't care. So we watched it, and I was, I mean, you know, and it's been, whatever, a year or so since I've seen it. So maybe, you know, it's, things change. My opinions change about things. I just watched Dunkirk and liked it. Yeah. Time to reevaluate some Nolan, you know? I thought that's right. where you were at. Just like, and, I'm going to go yeah, and reevaluate no, some yeah, Nolan. It wasn't yeah. on purpose. It was just a happenstance. And uh, it didn't change at all. It's a two out of five. I don't like it. It's terrible. And, Why? Uh, Why? What makes you feel that way about it? <clears throat> mainly because... Um, you know, it tries to carry itself as this kind of, like, uh, somber, serious, uh, like, you know, if Batman were real, if the Joker were real, it's like trying to set it as some kind of, like, like he always said, it's a, it's not really a superhero film, it's a crime thriller, yeah. you know? And it's like, <laughs> it's not a crime thriller, though, it's a superhero movie, and it's just set in this real world, which makes it extra ridiculous, in my opinion. It's like, mm. the things that happen in it make no sense, and the fact that it's, like it's just so uh it's such a weak concept to to let's let's set batman in the real world but let's make it like the most mild pg-13 like almost could be a pg this movie like there's nothing in this movie like there are scenes where you can tell they want to curse so bad but they just change the word yeah. so like he like joker for instance at some one point he goes those mob fools said this and this and that's like mob fools yeah like are you serious like that's the weakest like who would say that what kind of a hardened crazy murdering psychopath would say fool yeah instead of the f word you know you have to say the f word though because it's nolan and he can only get his budget if he has a pg-13 rating and it's and it's batman you know and it's for kids and whatever and it's just like i don't understand this like weird middle ground that he's trying to work in where he's trying to make this children's superhero into a dark brooding you know crime thriller in chicago or whatever it's supposed to be it just doesn't make any sense to me and Mm. i don't i ledger's performance is fine i think it's been i think it's really overblown and hyperbolic to say that it's anything special um i i mean not that he's like he's not doing a bad job i like heath ledger a lot and honestly had he lived i would have loved to have seen where the franchise went because i obviously he would have been involved yeah but and I think like my favorite part of the whole film is is also like the saddest part in retrospect because it's that end scene when he's hanging upside down and he says we're locked in this eternal struggle yeah, of where it's yeah. gonna be, you know, us fighting each other forever and Batman's just kinda like says, Now, you know, you're going to Arkham, you'll I'll never see you again. And it's like 
if he had lived, it yeah. would have been like they could have done something. Because they were planning epic. on making the third one with Joker. Right? I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm I don't sure. see why they would have gotten After the success he was very of popular, Dark Knight, you know? yeah. <clears throat> Although, I mean, it's hard to say 100% because he was dead before Dark Knight even came out. But it's yeah. like, but I'm, so it's hard to say if the movie would have even been quite as successful. I mean, like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that he wouldn't have even been nominated. Uh, had he had he lived, and that's not me being cynical. I yeah. just don't see it happening. That, I mean, yeah, th- I there is definitely uh, a question there of would it have been as popular a movie or his performance as mm-hmm. impactful if he hadn't you know died right before it was released. So I also yeah. find the whole like a lot has been made of the like Batman uh, Christian Bale's performance as Batman with his the voice and everything, and I understand the purpose of the voice as a like as a device in the film yeah that he needs to disguise his voice but it's just like and i'm not to sound like a hero or a fanboy but it's i mean <laughs> like what kevin said last time in mask of the phantasm it's like uh what is that guy's name tim conroy or kevin conroy kevin conroy like he manages to do two incredibly distinct voices but he's yeah. not gravelly when he's Batman. He's just brooding when he's Batman, and he's jovial when he's Bruce Wayne, and it makes a lot of sense, and it works. And it's like that. You might say, well, that's because he doesn't have to perform. He's just doing his voice, you know. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. It just seems, it's a really weird choice, and it's really goofy at times. Yeah, I, I would yeah. agree. Even as uh, he's, even as a fan of the film, that's probably like one of the aspects of it. When I first saw it, I was like, eh, yeah. like. Uh, I don't know so much about yeah, that. Yeah, and like with the Batman v Superman, like they actually had like Affleck actually has like a vocal modulator to disguise his voice. Right. See, that makes sense because yeah. like even you know as much as that film's derived. I mean, yeah, but uh, you it know, makes sense <clears throat> if that was in the Nolan film though, it would be almost even stupider though because then it'd be like because it's like in the Nolan film they go to such pains to make everything seem like. This is like pretty real world. Like this can happen. Yeah. There are criminals like this. There are people. Like, this is how things work. Like there's a DA. It's trying to make it like there's like these inner city politics and stuff. But then at the end of the film, like he like he uses this technology that is so ridiculous. The cell phone beeping radar thing. Oh where yeah. You can yeah. see through walls and everything. It's just ridiculous. And it's just like it looks like out of a Schumacher Batman film from this from the nineties. I just like don't get it. Like I don't understand the the taste level. Of Nolan, I really don't like he because like when you watch Dunkirk, it's like clearly he like Dunkirk is smacks of elevated taste. Like it looks like a great, it's a great film. Like it it works on that level. It's like you could see it as art. Like I don't see The Dark Knight as art. I see it as like a like just left of a Marvel film for me. And I mean, it's fine if you're entertained by it and everything. But like this, the, it's this praise that it gets as like this next level you know it's the 10th greatest film of all time on the IMDb yeah. 250 it's like it's I don't ridiculous. know about that <laughs> I mean yeah and it's like, just not to, to me it's not good but on, and just in general objectively I just don't yeah. think it's very good like it's not that good yeah like it I might see where be you're entertaining but it's not like I mean it's not like a you know like he's I don't know. I mean, it, on the it, level of great films, yeah, you know? yeah. It, it, in in the end, I think what you're saying, it's a superhero film, you yeah. know, and like because it's trying to be something else, it, you know, that's falling I, short. I think that's where it fails. Yeah. So it's trying to do something different. And it's with weird. Superhero films. I think that the ones that work best are the ones that don't take themselves seriously, mm, or like the, the one, Marvel films, or the ones that <laughs> oh. if they do take themselves seriously, they're actually working within their confines and they're not trying to do anything that is like, for instance. X-Men, okay? I like yeah. X-Men. X-Men works in an alternate reality 
where mutants exist. Yeah, yeah. Right? Batman's not working in an alternate reality. Batman's trying to work in our reality. He's in Chicago. Right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Gotham, Gotham Chicago. It's in Toronto and Chicago yeah, and New yeah. York. And it's like, I mean, yeah. you can recognize buildings in it. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> sure. And there is like a Hong Kong in it, for instance. I mean, he goes to Hong Kong and, you know, yeah, yeah. Which you, like on, this, on, on paper, that sounds amazing. But then I, when I watch the scene, that's another thing. Not to dwell on this because I'm almost done talking about this, but Nolan, his his action is terrible. Like he does not know how to direct action at all. His action is confusing. The editing is confusing. The like the things that happen make no sense. There are people standing that are doing nothing in action sequences. It's just very bizarre. I don't. It, he doesn't have a very good uh, eye for action. I don't know if I'd agree with that. I mean, again, I haven't seen the film in a couple of years. You mm-hmm. just watch it. But uh, what I was gonna say, just comment real quick on that was. You know, like that. Even though I enjoyed Batman Begins, I enjoyed The Dark Knight um, Rises not so much. I mean, it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I like you. I don't see it as like this highly elevated, you know, you know, art as kind of people make it out to be. I'm a big fan of you know his earlier stuff, like Following a Memento, as y'all probably know. So mm-hmm. I'd probably trade the you know that trilogy of Batman films to see more films like Dunkirk or Memento, than you know the more artistic mm-hmm. fare. So um, yeah, that's interesting. I'm, we're running out of the gate uh, with some controversy right away. <laughs> so I don't, whatever. I don't think. I mean, it's an old movie. Like yeah. I, don't, I don't think the passion is quite there anymore for it. It's unless you're like a you know comic geek fan fanboy. Like, I don't walk into. Yeah. My comic shop that I go to and tell them I hate the Dark Knight, you know, like because then you get punched well, in the I face. Just, just, I mean, <laughs> well, I, just I, don't, I don't want to start shit with them. It's yeah. like I like these people. Like, yeah. I don't have yeah. any problem if you like the film. I just I don't like it, and it's not like they ask my opinion about it. So, yeah. Plus, I'm sure even they would have, you know, they have nitpicks con- with it for sure. Yeah, but they definitely. still think you oh, know, they're it's wearing not true the to the graphic, and they think yeah. that mm. Ledger's a god and everything. Yeah, you can't get can't get past them about that. Yeah, wearing the black shirts with like the movie poster. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right not to knock on those guys uh you got another watch before uh, yeah, we move I just, on i uh totally unrelated believe it or not didn't even think about it till after i watched it but i watched a movie called dark knight in ah. which is about the aurora shooting in ah. 2012 oh yeah. uh, but i didn't even think about the fact that i had just watched the dark knight but um <laughs> Because wasn't it like they were? There, it was a screening of Dark of Knight Rises. Of okay. Dark Knight Rises. Okay. James, James Holmes came in, yeah. and shot everybody, killed yeah. like twelve people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, buddy of mine's wife was in that. You know, she was in Colorado. She's from Louisiana, where we're from, but was in that theater and was she shot. Got shot in the knee, didn't she? Yeah, I got shot Jesus. in the knee. I heard yeah. about that. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Um, uh, this film is directed by Tim Sutton, who. Uh, has been compared apparently a lot to, to, to Gus Van Sant. And when you watch this movie, you can really see that. Mm. And it's unfortunate because he's managed to make a film that is essentially like a remake of Elephant, except about the Aurora shooting. Yeah. And it looks just like Elephant. Like it looks like Gus Van Sant shot it. <laughs> and it's really boring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Normally, I'm really into like these like slow like tracking language shots and stuff, but there's just no story here at all. And it's not like what's weird about it is that does it follow Holmes through the film? You think you think you would think it would, but it follows this guy named Robert Jumper, who is named after the actor who plays him, Robert Jumper, because obviously none of these people are actors; they're all just like just, just like Gus Van Sant. You would just find people mm. and cast them. <laughs> um, 
and he follows him and he he has the look of James Holmes like he has these weird piercing eyes and he's he's insane and he has a rifle and he is planning an assault on a movie mm-hmm. and you get the feeling that it's the Batman film because at one point he puts on a Batman mask in front of a mirror and like I'm thinking like is this okay so this is like analog to James Holmes but then there's a scene, very briefly, there's a scene where this woman is sitting in her apartment. Because it follows like six different people. And they're all people, obviously, who are in the theater at the end. Uh, this follows this one woman. And she's in her apartment. And she's watching TV. And the Holmes trial is going on on the TV. So now I'm just like really confused. I'm like, what is this supposed to be? Like, this is like hmm. a copycat or something? It just doesn't, like, there's no plot. And the plot, like, whatever plot there is, is not explained at all. And normally that wouldn't bother me a tremendous amount, but in this way it was just very confusing, and like I say, just really hard to get into, uh, really boring. Uh, there was there were a couple of like shots that I liked a lot, but for the most part, it's just a train wreck. I didn't like it at all. Yeah, when you uh, you brought up Van Sant and Elephant uh, as an analog to that, it's that's a great film. I mean, it's clearly influenced yeah. by, which is weird because I wouldn't. Like, if I was a filmmaker, and everybody's saying, from my very first film on, this guy's like Gus Van Sant. He's just like, he reminds us of Gus Van Sant. The last thing I would do is, like, a shooting film. Like, a movie about a public, you know what I mean? Like, a massacre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like, Gus Van Sant's done he's that. He's already done and that. And it's perfect. Yeah. And it's like, there's no need to do that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless I mean, you're going to do it in a different style, which this guy doesn't. He works with yeah. his style. It's well, it's just, like, the yeah. story in itself is interesting of, you know, James Holmes and the shooting... Uh, yeah. It would have been an Aurora had they and everything. told the story. Yeah, had they told the story. <laughs> and, I, and I'd even, like... I wouldn't mind seeing that in, like, a Gus Van Sant style, mm-hmm. but... That's yeah. what I thought. I mean, I gotta, that's what made me watch it, because I was like, this. the trailer looks great. I'm like, this is going to be really intense and, and a mm-hmm. good, interesting watch, but it's just... Whew, Whew. brutal. It's How? only like 85 minutes, too. It's just huh. slog. That's, in your, that's up your alley I right know. there. I was, yeah. I, that's why I watched it. <laughs> Short films. I got home from school, and I was like, I'm going to watch a movie. I'm going to watch Dark Knight. And I turned <laughs> it on. It so you went from the superhero film trying to be realistic to the kind of realistic <laughs> drama film about <laughs> something related. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's yeah, kind of weird. It is weird that it connected at all, but I... Like I said, I didn't even think I was, it had been on my wish list on iTunes for a while, and it was ninety nine cents to rent. So there you just go. went ahead and rented just that. Just did piece. that. You know, Two, uh, how many yeah. stars for each of them? I gave uh, Dark Knight, The Dark Knight, two stars out of five. The superhero film, and mm-hmm. I gave Dark Knight one and a half. One and a half. But honestly, <laughs> they're not comparable at all. I vastly would prefer to watch Nolan's film again to this other thing even though it's only so at least there's sense. some entertainment right yeah well it's just for what it's trying to do the dark uh dark night tim sutton's film is a much greater failure gotcha in my mm. opinion gotcha so all right well, let's it's little, uh it's a little pretentious Go ahead. let's move on to kevin uh what you've been watching recently well let's see so if any of if any of y'all listened to the uh, one of the other podcasts that we did, uh, John and I were talking about the Stephen King Dark Tower movie, and John made a prediction that it was going to be crap. John was right, and actually, John did not know how right he was because this movie was terrible. 
Um, I'm sure John's just eating this up right now. <laughs> no, I, I, well, yeah. I will say, I will say, vindication. I, I did know how right I was. Well, <laughs> you haven't seen it. I would have probably given a lesser rating than even you did. And you very, you, you very well, could, you very, very well could have. Yeah. The uh, the there's very little there's eh, there's very little that's redeemable about the movie. Idris Elba is a good Roland. He gets the, he gets the character. Uh, Matthew McConaughey could have been better. Uh, he was very over the top and outrageous, which is like the hallmark of the character that he was playing is intelligence. So he would never be around when things are about to go south. Uh, this character does not do that, and this character has been imbued with powers that his character is not supposed to have. But whatever. Uh, the movie is a... I was telling a friend of mine, it's like someone took all of the Dark Tower books, ate them, <laughs> then threw up, and then made a movie out of it. <laughs> um, and I, I saw a review on uh, the Independence website. Incomprehensible to newbies and wildly unfaithful and simplistic to fans of King's books. And they're right. The Dark Tower is just a bad movie. How many uh, stars? Is it is, one one star? Is it uh, from Out the trailer? There's a there's like one line I can think of that McConaughey utters and, uh, and the tower will fall or whatever. Did you tell with that too. the kid that whoever walks with you dies by my hand? Oh yeah, and it, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Wait, I want to hear your McConaughey impersonation. Well, I was going to ask line. in that line. <laughs> it sounds it sounds like he's hiding his accent a little bit. Does he have his accent full blown in the film? It's there a little bit, which honestly, like I would not have a problem with McConaughey's accent being in there because Randall Flagg is supposed to be this kind of out of nowhere he like the character well, they call him Walter Paddock in the um in the movie, and that's cool because he does have a huge amount of different names. This character is a sorcerer who's in and out of a huge amount of Stephen King's books, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter that they changed the name. Um, the accent actually wouldn't have been bad because the character actually did grow up on a farm um, in some alternate reality, which was which was another. They they just dumbed everything down so much, like. They're saying that, you know, the Dark Tower is what protects us against the darkness outside of the universe, etc., etc. It's like, no, the Dark Tower is actually the linchpin of existence, of reality. So it's not going to be, you know, suffering, Does you know, fire trailer, and darkness. Right? If it falls, both our worlds go, right? Something like that? Yeah, but, the, but they... <laughs> it, but, <laughs> but, it, but in the movie, it's like, if it falls, there will be nothing but fire and darkness and chaos and et cetera, et cetera. But, like, if it, if it falls in, in the books, it's the linchpin of reality. So how was, there's uh, a lot... How was the CG in this film? Because it looked pretty terrible. From it the looks trailer. terrible. Yeah. It looks very terrible. Like all the gunslinging and everything. Like the yeah, bullets like, going into his gun. Yeah. Like they they try they try to make Roland into into a superhero. A lot of gun kata like... in this one. What gun kata? Oh yeah. What do you mean by gun kata? Like equilibrium. From... Or, um, yeah. like the John bullet, Wick. like the bullet time not, kind of stuff. Not no. bullet time. Not... Just like just like using your guns like a choreographed ballet and uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah and 
throwing bullets around like Wanted. Remember that movie Wanted? Oh yeah, Where they yeah. Were, like curving the bullets and shit. Yeah, <laughs> I never saw that. But yeah, uh, yeah. So Dark Tower is terrible. One star. All right. You got um, any other watches for us? Let's see. I also watched uh, Jan Spankmeyer's version of Alice in Wonderland. All right. Uh, it has stop motion animation and. It looks okay for, like, the late 80s. It looks good for stop motion. Um, but the novelty of it wears off very quickly because there's very, very few actual stop motion uh, characters in it. And it only takes place within the confines of this, like, rundown mansion. So I gave that one two stars. Um, two-star Ted Two-star Ted. Return <laughs> of the son of two-star Ted. <laughs> for, for those uh, listening, yeah, Kevin is dubbed two-star Ted and yes that's uh, that that was the moniker that Jordan bestowed on me yes um, let's see also watched eyes without a face because I've seen it a couple of years ago and I was like oh and I saw it in the library I thought okay I'll I'll give it a second chance you know I'm you know a little more appreciative of what goes on in film it was worse <laughs> the movie the movie starts off with this like circus type waltz music which is just annoying like you i'm sorry eyes Eyes without a face face. um yeah so it starts off with this terrible music that you know on one level i can see you know it would sound spooky or whatever but it's it's annoying and the film is very very slow very very little on character like there's a mad doctor in there, but uh, he's not really that mad. He's just kind of there. Um, and yeah, I know this is on. This is high on a lot of people's lists of horror movies. Not scary, just boring. And then I also watched rewatched Dog Day Afternoon, which was actually better than I remembered it being. Al Pacino is on fire in this movie. Uh, and I also realized that I've seen all of John Cazale, Cazale's movies. Or is it Cazale or something? Or Cazale? I I always said Cazale. Okay, I watched the film, um, I Knew It Was You, which is like a a short documentary about Cazale's life and work, and uh, they say a lot in that. I can't remember what they say, though. It's been a while since I've seen it. It's really good, though. Yeah, because I remember, like, he's in... He's in like all the best films. Yeah, all, pretty much Godfather all the best. One and two, Deer Hunter, yeah. Conversation, and, and then Dog Day Afternoon, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, and he's great. Yeah, there's a lot of really great acting. Um, the only thing that kind of that I was not a big fan of was the pacing of the movie. I think it drags in a few places, and um, it kind of plays up a little bit to the crowd and what does that mean uh, there's well there's actual crowds in the movie and and they're like coming along to see what's going on and there are plenty of shots of Pacino just riling them up that's so good you don't like that it's okay when he's like he's like a rock star he becomes like a rock star he's like and i I got the crowd all right (laughs) yeah like that was just too much of that yeah i thought there was a little too much when he starts screaming attica well that that these guys want to kill me so bad they could taste it attica attica 
It's so that's so good. How about Charles Durning? You like him in the film? I love him in the film. Uh, who who's he's he? The, the cop. The oh guy. yeah, he yeah. was good. And uh, like I did not remember Chris Sarandon being in this yeah, movie. Yeah. Or Lance Henriksen. Yeah, very short for Lance Henriksen. Yeah, but great. He's good in it too. Yeah, in he's he's great. Um, I, I yeah, I, I remember when I first uh, my dad first told me about the film uh, when I was like like very young, like yeah. thirteen or so, and uh, and he was like, yeah, it was a bank robbery movie with Al Pacino in it, and then he's like <laughs> telling me the story as he used to do. He just tell me the entire plot of the movie, you know, yeah. before I saw it, and which had never bothered me, but. He was like, uh, he was telling, he was tell- he had it so wrong. He yeah, like, he'd get parts wrong. <laughs> he was yeah. like, yeah, uh, the guy, the the funny looking guy from The Godfather's in it. He's his partner. <laughs> funny and like, guy. He's like crazy in it. Like he wants to take all the women in the back and start raping them and murdering them and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that sounds uh, horrible. And then he's like, yeah, but Chino won't let him do it. And then like, <laughs> he's shooting everybody. And I was just like, I was like, okay. Uh, wa- I remember the first time I watched it. And somehow, still loving it, even though none of that happened. Like, I remember thinking, like, <laughs> yeah. at least it'll be, like, full of action and stuff. And it's got, like, very little action in it. Yeah. But still loving it, just for, like, the the acting and the... I really love the amount of language that's in it, quite frankly. Like, mm. it's rare in 75, you know what I mean? It's just, like, there's so many... Like, everybody curses so much in it. And it's just completely unrestrained. And uh, even, like, Charles Durning is, like, screaming F-words at his guy's yeah, his, yeah. telling him to get back and everything. And it just, I don't know, there's something about that. I was just really, like, had a lot of respect for the fact that it was, like, because it just feels more genuine and real um, than some of the other movies. Especially, if, like, you know, being at that time, it's so easy for those, those kinds of films to go down this uh, this route of... Like I don't know, like, like you know, the studio, route yeah, studio, or in, even like know, a, yeah. like a Academy kind of like we want the Oscar, so we're gonna yeah, restrain yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, and it, but uh, yeah, just for my part, it's one of my favorite Sidney Lumet films, and it's uh, I really I love it. I love it. I've seen it a lot of times. All right. Well, uh, recently I watched Night on Earth. Uh, we had a secret yes. screening here at the library where I work, and uh, we were supposed to show Ghost Dog, but uh, another Jarmusch film. John's got it for me here, but uh, John didn't show up that day with Ghost Dog, so I was like, well, I've got uh, got Night on Earth on DVD from yeah. Criterion, I'll just pop that on, and apparently the, the secret screening was a little too secret, because it was just me <laughs> watching the film by myself, but uh, hey, I enjoyed it, it was, it was a good time, so, uh, great film, I hadn't seen it in a number of years, but uh, I'm kind of on a Jarmish kick, uh, so I'm just revisiting all his work. But I gave it uh, four and a half stars. I felt like it was almost perfect film. Uh, you know, set in five different cities, uh, following five different taxicab drivers. So you've got Winona Ryder, you've got Roberto Benini, who's hilarious as usual in the film. Uh, you've got the Tom Waits soundtrack. Uh, who else is in there? The, I know, like a the lot of Jarmusch regulars. Yeah, Isaac Isaac Yeah, he's great. Just like. Jarmus talks about how he just loves this guy's face and like the way he looks. I mean, he's right. Like you just put him in like a taxi cab oh. speaking French, and I don't know. He's just like got a very poetic um, facial structure. Gian- I don't know. Giancarlo Esposito, yeah. yes, oh, and uh, yeah. Rosie Perez, yes, in the New York segment, mm-hmm. hilarious. I thought yeah. that the New York segment and uh, obviously Roberto Benigni's in, in Rome was 
just made me laugh out loud so much. Just watching it by myself in the in the library meeting room, just, just cracking up. Yeah. <laughs> just a sad man by himself, but laughing so hard. He was enjoying every minute oh. of it. Don't feel oh, sorry yeah. for no, him no, in no. the least. <laughs> Not in the least. It was it was great. It was a great film. I meant to rewatch it, but it. Uh, it was like two two hours and ten minutes long, and yeah, I, I didn't have time. I will say, <laughs> I had to take a nap yesterday. <laughs> I will say, as a slight critique. Really, I, I wouldn't say like as a whole it drags, but in the first episode with Winona Ryder in Los Angeles, I felt like it was dragging a little bit. I guess maybe it just takes a while to get into Jarmusch's kind of mood and atmosphere. Mm. But and that's really what he's trying to do here. There's no real like straightforward plot or you know you know building blocks. It's just mood and character. But I you know he does that in all his films, and he's probably one of my favorite directors, honestly. Um, can't get, en- can't get enough. I actually yeah. checked out a book of his interviews um, from the library after listening to a Q&A he did where uh, people from all over the world sent in uh, questions for the Criterion Collection when they put out the Do DVD. Watch, oh, yeah. And I listened, yeah, I listened to all of them for Night like on the, Earth. Uh, the, uh, it made me want to watch Ozu's films, which I haven't yes. ever seen because he said that when the guy asked if, if he was influenced by Ozu because of the this static shots the static shots of the city yeah that was one of my favorite parts of night on earth just setting like a still life of a city where he picks these kind of like run down areas like that you normally you don't recognize as los angeles but it establishes like this mood of los angeles you kind of recognize the feeling of a place but yeah Mm -hmm. i I, yeah i listened to that with uh Mm -hmm. the question about ozu yeah i did that whenever i was uh when i watched it the first time it's been a long time but I've seen, I've only seen one Ozu film, uh, Tokyo Story, which is you know highly rated on the. Like, I think it's number one on the sight and sound poll from like directors, you know, picking their best films of all time. It's a good. It's a good film. It's kind of long, but I can see why he's considered a master. And yeah, he he only uses like these uh, fifty millimeter um, lenses where it's just static shot. Like the camera never moves the whole movie. And, really. And so it's kind of impressive just for that, you know, mm-hmm. because like, how do you make a movie without moving the camera around? Well, watch Tiny Furniture, he did. directed by Lena Dunham. She never moves the camera because she's shooting the same thing herself. Yeah. <laughs> and she stars in it, so she has to just turn the camera on and walk. There you go. <laughs> oh, also another movie that does that. Uh, not that. Not that this. Not that I was being facetious. Obviously, I hate Tiny Furniture, but <laughs> I, I do. Like, I've not I, seen Tiny. Furniture. I like Lena Dunham and I like girls, but I don't like Tiny Furniture at all. I think it's terrible. But um, <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen it. But because uh, she doesn't move the camera. Yeah. I, well, I always just thought, found it very like amateurish but yeah, yeah. Uh, and i mean shot it's shot on like a 7d so like obviously it doesn't look very good but um i also uh the other film that does that for the same reasons is uh it's impossible to learn to plow by reading books which is by uh, uh, richard linklater yeah. Yeah. oh yeah he yeah. shoots the thing himself so he sets up all his shots statically just shooting him him i didn't care for that either yeah. though it's just kind of boring really, i actually really dug that <laughs> i mean again again it's that just slow burn oh, of a film know, it but so uh, it was so it was like, what is it, it on like, like the special features of uh slacker or something yeah, like that so great. it's like okay, oh watch yeah. slacker this is cool watch that i'm like uh, okay, it's he two a.m. You know, it's time you know, for bed. Uh, do you remember uh, Daniel Johnston is in it? Daniel Johnston, our friend Daniel Johnston. No, oh, the, David. Oh, David. Johnson. <laughs> um, you know our name. Uh, David. David. Daniel. Daniel. Uh, the, um, the singer, not really the that singer, good of friends. The, you know, yeah. musician. He's in it. He hands him a tape at one point. Oh he, like, yeah. Walks yeah. into the frame and he hands him a tape and then he goes and listens to the tape. There's like this four and a half minute scene of him just like list, like fast forwarding through songs and listening to like, little <laughs> bits of songs and stuff. Interesting. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> 
on on the cassette there. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, our next segment. What do you plan on watching next? Uh, just kind of give us a preview of what you're getting into on your on your watch list. Well, after watching the comedy, uh, I, I just seen New Jerusalem, which is uh, an earlier film by Rick Alverson. Hmm. And the and comedy uh, for those listening is the, oh, the movie that we'll this, be yeah. discussing. The deep dive we have this week. It's the deep dive. The, um, deep, dive. the deep dive. After watching the comedy, I had just bought uh, Entertainment, which is his film following the comedy on yeah. uh, Blu-ray. So I'm, I was going to watch it yesterday, but again, had to take a nap. Didn't have time. <laughs> but. Uh, Really want to get back into that thing because it's. I just am aching to rewatch it. And uh, Will Oldham? Yeah. No, Will Oldham's not. Will he's Oldham, in, New, he's Jerusalem. in New Jerusalem. This yeah. one is uh, starring uh, Greg Turkington, who Who's makes in a the brief comedy. Yeah. In the comedy, yeah. Mm. Um, he's got an interesting face. Yeah, he's good in. Uh, <laughs> you see him, you're like, oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> he's sort of playing his in the inter- in entertainment. He's sort of playing his alter ego or his uh, stage persona, Neil Hamburger. Yeah, I read who's that. a stand-up comedian. Uh, Neil Hamburger, and who is very, who is is very funny, very uh, transgressive, uh, anti-comedy kind of. Thing. That's how the comedy was built. Transgre- brilliantly transgressive, or something like that. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> we can talk about all that, but um, yeah. but anyways, after and then I'm I'm really excited to watch Entertainment again, but I would be remiss. I <laughs> my most anticipated film of the year comes out tomorrow in theaters. What's oh, that? Logan Lucky? No, it came out last week. Oh. <laughs> Which uh, I didn't get a chance to watch. Yeah. Oh, I thought we I was were going, going to talk well, about Logan Lucky. Well, I was going Lucky, to. My, my, my wife went to her sister's uh, baby shower, mm. and I, it was in Lafayette, and I drove her because I didn't want her to have to go by herself and like have to drive by herself all this time. Because it's like, you know, it's like an hour and a half to uh, Broussard or wherever it was. Uh, or Rain, as anyway. Anyway. Rain, was, Louisiana. That's yeah, way so, out there. Yeah. So I, I drove her, and I... Well, when after I dropped her off, I was like, "Well, she's going to be here for like five hours. I'll go see Logan Lucky." But then I was like, "Well, I should probably go to the Lanyap Records, you know, and buy ah, some records." Yes. And yeah. So I went there, and then I, I spent so much time there. I didn't really have time to do anything else, so I just went to like I went to a comic shop, and I went to Barnes. You're in Lanyap for like five hours. No, I was in. I was probably <laughs> for like an hour and a half. But I mean, it was just like. Yeah, the times didn't work out with the so I didn't get to see Logan Lucky. And what's the film tomorrow okay, that so comes out? <laughs> my most anticipated film of the year, and I have to thank uh, my friend Jonathan for turning me on to this. Uh, the Safdie brothers' new film, Good Time, starring Robert Pattinson, which looks amazing and has <laughs> the best soundtrack. Actually, when I was at Lanyap, I bought the soundtrack on vinyl. Wow, it's so good. Uh. And uh, has an inc- it's by on- Onio Tricks. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Point Never, which is like a, a an electronic uh, musician from Brooklyn, and uh, he does a song at the the last track of the album has Iggy Pop singing on. Oh, and that's it's cool. so good. It What's just rules it's called? So good hard. time. It's called Good Time. It's directed by the Safdie Brothers, who previously did Heaven Knows What, uh, which is on Netflix, and I highly recommend. And then before that, they did a film called Daddy Long Legs. Or go get some rosemary. That's two different names. Okay. They, they What's good time about? Good time is about, uh, about as far as time. I can tell, <laughs> uh, Robert Pattinson is a bank robber, and he works with his brother, and his brother gets arrested after they rob a bank, and his brother has like mental issues, like he's mentally challenged, 
or like autistic or something. And uh, Robert Pattinson, the movie's about him trying to collect, get enough money together to bail him out of jail because he's on like Rikers Island. He's going to get killed in there, you know? He said uh, bank robber works with his brother. I was thinking, oh, it's like Newton Boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. Well, like, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's, you know. <laughs> Skeet Ulrich coming yeah. back. <laughs> I, I would I would seriously uh, suggest, though, uh, that you guys check out the trailer if you have time because it's okay. really it looks very very good to me and I'm I'm very excited well, about it. I hope you go Sweet. see a good time and you have a good time. I yeah. hope so too, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what are you planning on watching, Kevin? Let's see. I have a stack of at least ten. You've on, got a quite a stack on my coffee table. Let's see. Next up on next up in the stack is uh, the Sweet Smell of Success with uh, Tony Curtis and Burt Lancaster. I'm also going to rewatch Clockwork Orange because I'm rereading the book, and I'm going to watch Jean Cocteau's Orphic trilogy. Mm. And I heard good things about Orpheus. A lot yeah, of good things. About I've it. seen um, The Blood of a Poet, which is pretty surreal. It's good. Yeah, stuff. I saw that uh, Cocteau was apparently a big influence on Clive Barker, so that made me. Who's wanna, Clive Barker? An author. Uh, author, director, uh, he's the one who is Midnight responsible Meat for Train. Hellraiser. Mid- yeah, well, Midnight Meat Train, he's also um, responsible for Candyman. Okay. Um, he wrote some gothic horror, too, didn't he? Like some yeah. um, like you know, Haunted Mansion kind of stuff, didn't he? Yeah, some of that. And um, uh, his uh, Books of Blood um, are very good. Would you call him Stephen King Light? Or just on par no, with Stephen uh, King. I, I, honestly, Stephen I would. King. Yeah, uh, if you like personally, Stephen his, King is Clyde Barker light. Well, <laughs> when when Books of Blood first came out, um, they came out on paperback, and they had a blurb by Stephen King saying, "I've seen the future of horror, and it's Clyde Barker." A blurb. A blurb. You're a blurb. <laughs> What is that? What is that from? <laughs> no, Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, it's Seinfeld. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm a I'm a big we're going, Seinfeld we're fan. We're going that filmed one, that one books, TV down. Yeah. All right. Uh, and yeah, I'm also waiting on Nanook of the North because okay. I saw um, yeah. Criterion. Well, yeah, Criterion. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, but I watched. Um, there's a series on the independent film channel called Documentary Now. Where okay. they spoof a bunch of different documentaries, and one of the ones they spoof is Nanook of the yeah. North. Yeah, I'm sure it's not the first time it's been spoofed. Oh, t- yeah, totally. I've always um, planned on watching yeah. that, but I've never gotten around to it. But yeah, so Might just uh, have to. yeah, so hope hopefully hopefully some good stuff. Cool. All right. Cool, bro. Well, uh, next up on my watch list, uh, of course, like I said, I'm on the Jim Jarmish kick, so I've uh, got coffee and cigarettes right now, and uh, listening to his Q and A, huh? On the blue, okay, on good, blue, good, good. Um, and listening to like some of his Q and A, he talks a lot about uh, Aki Kurosmaki. Kurosmaki. Have y'all seen any of this guy's films? He's like Kurosami. No, not or... Aki Kurosmaki. He oh, directed no. uh, Leningrad Cowboys Go America. No, which no, is on Criterion. Totally. Uh, um, no, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's uh, he's Finnish, I believe, and in the Night on Earth section set in Finland, there's actually a lot of references to Aki Kurosmaki. Um, but yeah, there's this film, Leningrad Cowboys Go America, which is like about a group of, like a Russian rock group comes to America seeking fame, and so 
apparently he's kind of like the finished Jarmusch. He's got like a lot of deadpan humor and mm. um, offbeats, you know, characters and stuff. So I'm interested in checking it out just uh, from from Jarmusch's recommendation. So that's what I got. I uh, also have Fantastic Planet as an animated film that's on Criterion. I've had it checked out from the library about four months now, so I need to get around to that. Yeah, before your um, account gets blocked. Before, before I get <laughs> blocked, even though I work here. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited again to get into some more Jamosh, some some animation. So, good stuff. All right, so uh, today's deep dive is a movie, like I said, John Pick, the comedy, directed by Rick Alverson, starring Tim Heidecker. Tim Heidecker. Heidecker. Mm. Heidecker. I think from I've actually heard of Heidecker. Also. Heidecker. Yeah. Hi, Decker. Yeah. Uh, from 2012. John, tell us a little bit about this film. Thank you. This uh, <laughs> this film. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna try to go off the top of my head, but actually, I really like the uh, the IMDb synopsis. I'm just gonna read it. Do it. Indifferent to the notion of inheriting his father's estate, a restless, aging New Yorker passes time with his friends in games of mock sincerity and irreverence. And I think that perfectly su- uh, surmises the. Uh, well, the film. we'll get into that yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> all right, well, before we get into the actual review, we have a segment called our Star Rating Battle or Battle of the Stars or whatever you want to call it. So this is where we're going to try and guess each other's star ratings, and uh, this the true battle will be between me and Kevin as John has already picked a film. I've, they um, already know my rating. Yeah, we already know your rating. Five stars. Yeah. Okay. I love but, it. You're gonna guess our rating. So, uh, what do you do? You think we're as kind to this film as you were? What reveal? I have my predicted ratings in this beautiful blue envelope. Yes, and, uh, it's, it's shiny sealed. Blue. So, you know, I could not have. Uh, I sealed it just in case I was gonna wait till after the review. That yeah, way, yeah. I wouldn't be able to change my opinion. Anyway, yeah, this is a uh, confidential okay. movie of the year. Is La La Land. <laughs> best that's, picture that's good. that's good um so okay uh first uh i have a card here that says two star ted two star ted uh, aka kevin, kevin our uh, yes. co-host here uh half a star out of five uh, i also wrote down that's low. i also wrote down quotes for what they might say about them uh quote nice quote too awkward Quote, not funny. Quote, unlikable characters, end quote. That's from Kevin? That's from Kevin. All right. Uh, I want to hear my quotes. For Jordan, uh, Jordan, I gave, I think, I think Jordan's going to give it a two out of five. Because he's going to be a little bit more gracious and a little bit more understanding. And he's Just gonna, based on my personality. And he's going to say, he's going to say, quote, I mostly agree with Kevin. And quote, it's boring. <laughs> so those are my, those are my, uh, nice. I like how, how much Kevin's enjoyed that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my right. predictions. <laughs> That's awesome. I have so. not been drinking. The microphone has. Right. <laughs> Who said that? Oh, it was a uh, Tom Waits song. The piano has been drinking, not me. <laughs> nice. All right, Kevin. So, what is this? This real battle is between me and you. So, if okay. whoever is the okay. closest in guessing gets to assign the other a film to watch for next week. That's right. So, what is your guess for my star rating? I'm. Actually, gonna guess one star. One star. Yes. Okay. I think you hated this film with a fiery passion. I'm gonna guess one star for you. Okay. That's my guess. All right. This is fun. Now right. I should also mention that 
after this, uh, your rating should be logged in Letterbox immediately. Okay, because <laughs> as it's, we're recording, I'm actually a little I'm actually a little sickened that we had to wait to to log things. <laughs> I know that pain. Like, yes. Next, yes. Like, next week we're for Algiers. It's going to be difficult for me not to log Algiers immediately. So, I, but I will. I will wait. All but right. I mean. You know, I know. Yes, but, yes. We're Those putting the tension on John here, yeah. who likes to be a, a letterboxed uh, faithful. Yeah, well, for sure. You know. yeah, I've should, called you a you Nazi be before, too, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Yes, well, so letter- we letterboxed will... is the app that we all have to mm-hmm. log what movies we've watched and rate them, yeah. and that's the that's the star system. That and we're if you're using. Uh, if you're listening, you should get on Letterbox. Yeah, absolutely. definitely. And find us on there. Letterbox.com. For that's sure. Right. All right, well, we will reveal our true feelings and star ratings about this film at the end of the show. So let's move on to our deep dive review. So, guys, uh, I'm going to start with you, John. Just you know, tell us what you loved, what you didn't like, everything about this film. Okay, How did so you, everything. What, what was your experience? Okay, so, okay. Uh, this is my uh, third time watching this. Um, and the first time I watched it, it was the first uh, Rick Alverson film I'd seen. And I remember liking it, uh, not not really having a strong kind of passion about it one way or other, just kind of thinking it was pretty good, wanting to love it, just because, I don't know why exactly. I remember that they, they released scenes from it instead of trailers. So they released uh, the taxi cab scene where, where he, he not, not the one where he drives the cab, but the one where he is uh, in the back and they start singing about no tip because there's no radio. Yeah. And I remember that scene being really funny to me and thinking, like, this is going to be great. Like, I got to see this movie. And uh, there were a couple of other ones that they released, and, and it really got me fired up to see it. Going to get no, no, no tip. No, no, you got to get no, no, no tip. No radio. <laughs> yeah, I lo- love it. And uh, uh, so I... Uh, I watched those scenes a lot with Jonathan and Allison when we when I was living with Jonathan and uh, we were both really excited and I don't remember if he watched it with me the first time but we saw it anyway and uh, liked it didn't love it and then the second time I watched it was about two years ago and just really just blew me away I really really liked it the second time and there were things that confused me the first time about it mm. that didn't confuse me anymore and I totally got it and uh, really enjoyed it and um, I just uh, it just it's Honestly, this film isn't something that I would like. I wasn't suggesting it, expecting you guys to like it necessarily. Yeah. Mm. I, I didn't think just, you would. I was just thinking it's like this is something you guys would never probably watch without me suggesting it maybe. Like you probably haven't heard of it. And if you did, it probably wouldn't be something that's on your radar to watch. So that yeah. was my thought process was suggesting it. And it's just firing on all my cylinders. Like it's just I, I like I like the characters in it. I like that they're tremendously unlikable yeah. especially Tim Heidecker just he's oh, like yeah. the biggest dick of all time he in this is movie. Yeah. and it's just and <clears throat> on this rewatch I don't remember finding it so funny it's funny <laughs> like I I was laughing hysteric and I was by myself laughing hysterically yeah. mm. at this movie and I was <laughs> dead tired when I was watching it and I was just like this is so funny and it makes you laugh at things that make you feel uncomfortable too like the things that he's making jokes about yeah they should not you don't want to laugh yeah, right you don't want to yeah. laugh at him making fun of slavery <laughs> yeah. and yeah. the fact like he jokes about being a rapist and all this yeah. stuff but it's just like he just the way he delivers him he's so committed to this role of being like i don't care yeah. i you know whatever it's just fun you know? i'll give him that yeah, yeah. his yeah. performance is that. dead and on yeah i think his performance is great i think everybody who's in it is great and i think that i i especially like scenes like when he's uh when he and his hanging out with his friends and they're ragging on that one guy 
because they're like you make a joke and then you immediately make a joke that ruins it. Yeah, that, that part's amazing to me because it's like Very I, I feel so bad for that guy because yeah. he just looks so hurt when they're. Oh yeah, because he looks up. <laughs> He's to them like the runt of the group. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I just love that and I. Uh, it feels guy, very realistic too for that absolutely. in that in that sense where it's like you you know you've met somebody who's like trying too hard to be funny right, right so they right. make they make a joke that's funny in like a group of guys but then they try and like do it again and they just ruin it <laughs> yeah. and like yeah that you're, felt you're very lifelike the Jay Lynn. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah and it's uh I think it looks amazing I think it's shot really well I like the direction I like the editing I like the pacing a lot uh, I I I find the I like the fact that it's it's called the comedy, and you can look at it as a comedy because I, for to me, it is funny, but there it's also extremely dark and yeah, the, just I mean, obviously that that last scene when when he watches that girl have the seizure and it's it's just his reaction to that is so dark. I mean, like, like that, he he doesn't care. Yeah, he's just like, he's like so his apathetic. hand is on his chin. He's just like just he's like, drinking his yeah, cup, chill, eating his watching. ice. It's like it's like entertainment for him. You know, it's just like this is just something yeah. else that's happening for my entertainment, and it's not a big deal. But I never. That's another thing. It's like they walk this thin line between. Like, there's no doubt that he's a total dick, but I also don't, I don't hate him. Like, I, I probably would hate him if I met him or yeah. something, and he was a dick to me, but it's because he's being a dick in this, like, controlled environment where he's being a dick to everybody else that I'm like, I just, I like watching him. I And I, I mean, uh, not to get, I mean, I, it's it's hard for me to say, like, you know, anything more about how much, I just, I really love the film, but I, 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 w- I do want to point out one scene that, that really, I really dig a lot, too, is, uh, Early on in the film, when he when he stops and he helps the gardeners, and yeah. he tells the rich people uh, who are hiring the gardeners who own the house, he's asking them if they can use this pool, their pool. Yeah, that's so good. To, like I love that because it's like he, it's like he's sticking it to him, you know. But he's also helping out the gardeners. Yeah, in a way. He, it almost seems like he's coming across like like that's the part where it's like you can almost sympathize with him. And be like, see, it's like he hates these. You like rich uppity people, even though he's like kind of. But he is a rich uppity. Yeah, Yeah. but that's what like undercuts the whole thing, right? And and then even at that point where he says he gets them to finally say, "Yeah, they can use the pool. We'll get them some towel after they finish their work and everything." And then he just gets pissed off and walks away. It's like, but it's not. It's almost like it's just like he's just like I'm just done with this now. Like I'm done. Yeah, I just saw that as as him again entertaining himself, just for fun, and then moving on. You know. Which was a lot of the film. So, mm-hmm. was there anything that you didn't like about this? Um, I guess I guess I would say like, uh, I mean, I I like Eric Wareheim a lot, and I mean he's he's good. Which uh, character was he's he? the guy with the glass? He's uh, the glasses. I don't know. He's like one of his friends. Uh, oh, he's yeah. the second. He's yeah. Eric he's he's Tim the one like Eric. showing them the gotcha. slideshow. Yeah, he's the one yeah, showing yeah, the slideshow, yeah. and um. Another great scene. Just amazing. Uh. <laughs> he's uh he's he's the one showing him the slideshow. Uh I like Eric Wareheim. I think that in the film there are like two moments where he comes off a little too silly. Like he's going a little bit too overboard with his like Tim and Eric shtick. Mm. Which like Tim never does. Like the main character, he's never like as ridiculous as he is on the on like the Tim and Eric show. But Eric is kind of a little bit. What moments points. were like when he like in the cab when when uh, when they're doing the the no no tip song and, and yeah. it cuts to him and he's like he's like going really high pitched with it and stuff and it's yeah. like yeah yeah like yeah. that's funny and he's probably you know like you might do that but it, I don't know it just seems like he's going into his bag of tricks from from Tim and Eric or from uh, 
He's know. putting on a little. I don't know. I saw and... I saw that as him doing like the high kind of high pitched squeal as like some kind of like Middle Eastern oh. cry. <laughs> you know, so I thought he was just being extra racist. Yeah, with it. maybe. I don't yeah, I didn't I didn't pick up on a that. A lot movie. of racism I, in the movie. Yeah, I uh Yeah, but anyway, um That's all you got. I like how people react to him too. I like I like the reactions, especially the just kind of silent disdain like the the nurse at the beginning how he's just like not gonna engage with him because he knows that'll just make it worse and the sister also or his sister-in-law yeah uh who just why he's making all the (laughs) the racist slavery jokes and she's just like staring at him like waiting for him to stop and get serious and then when just when you think he is gonna get serious he starts he's like so uh you know like my like my brother uh like uh and he starts making jokes about conjugal visits. And yeah, stuff. yeah, and it's yeah. Like he can't. Like he's, he can't. He's not incapable be of being sincere. Yeah, in the film, yeah. which I think like that's something that say what you want about it, totally unique. Like I can't think of a character in a in a real like in a re, that's set in a reality who has he has no capability of being sincere. Like he can't care about things. Everything is a jo- everything is layered in irony. Yeah, everything is layered in a joke, and uh, I think that that's unique. Definitely. Love it. Love it. <laughs> all right, Kev, what you got for us? Well, waiting all week for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you you pretty much just said my review <laughs> in, the, in the beginning with your Love card. Love it? Love it? <laughs> with your one star and your it's too awkward. His quotes for you. Do you need your quotes? <laughs> yeah. Here, you read, read the cue card. I love how you drew out five stars yeah. and then you filled in half a star. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, like, the uh, like I, I specifically did not look up anything about the movie. I just put it on I just put it on hold at the library and it got sent to me and I took it home. I respect so, that. Yeah, so, so literally the only thing that I knew about the movie was... Like I saw the cover and I knew it was either Tim or Eric. I wasn't sure which mm-hmm. one. Um, and yeah, I, I, I saw the the blurb about it being um, transgressive, and I was like, okay, because like I've I've read a lot of Chuck Palahniuk and um, Irvin Welsh and J.G. Ballard, you know, trans transgressive authors. So I was like, okay, John's we'll trying see. to be transgressive. Let's see what this does. Well, it's right up Kevin's alley. He loves <laughs> the transgressive stuff. Yeah, he loves the transgressive. Uh, so yeah, so I watch it, and like this is the first this is the first time I've seen anything of Tim and Eric besides mm. random stuff on yeah, random I gifts. I wasn't on the familiar internet. with Tim yeah. or Eric. Mostly of John C. Riley, honestly. It's sure. it's yeah. usually not either of them. But yeah, did not like this movie. Uh, on our Dead Man episode, we were talking about, you know, David Lynch's notion of the eye of the duck, you know, the jewel of the movie, the one kind of scene where everything can be boiled down to. And honestly, I think it's the first scene in the movie where he's just sitting back, eating cookies, drinking whiskey, and making <laughs> making obscene jokes to the nurse while his dad is comatose and probably going to die soon. Sure. And I was like, okay, and you know okay whatever and then it goes on and then that's and the rest of the movie it goes on and that's <laughs> the rest of the movie like um yeah i i i mean personally when i when i saw that it was 
called the comedy. I was not expecting it to actually be funny because you thought uh, that that was ironic. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was going to be. And I think a, it is. Yeah, I think it does. Have yeah, a ironic. Sense and, not that they're not that they're not trying to be funny, but I think that like obvi- like obviously it's not a yeah, yeah, comedy yeah. in the straight sense. Yeah, I don't think the film's intention is to actually be a comedy, but more like a comment on yeah, because I've because I read a little bit about uh, Rick Alverson and like apparently like this is. Like, he had done some movies that deal with, like, the immigrant experience from, like, one from the... Builder, the, yeah. yeah. the Builder, which is supposed to be about, like, the, the idea Irish of America and, stuff, yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, was it the... New Jerusalem. The, New Jerusalem, about religion and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So, I was like, okay, you know, this is probably... I, what I'm seeing is, you know, like, post-ironic, rich hipsters, et cetera, et cetera. But again, but like, yeah, like, yeah, unlikable characters. I mean, I, I don't think you're supposed to like them. Uh, Obviously not. Yeah. But at a certain point, it's like, like I was, uh, um, I'm rereading Clockwork Orange right now, and Anthony Burgess was talking about how when a character doesn't change, you know, then you're outside of the realm of the novel. Then you're getting to, into like fables, allegories, et cetera, et cetera. And I can I can see where he's coming from on that. None of the characters in here change. There are a couple of moments where I guess you're supposed to find them sympathetic, but in the but even their sympathetic moments, they don't change. They don't make any kind of effort to be better people. Obviously, they don't feel like they have to. Well, uh, I mean, in my opinion, yeah, I know it's fun. obviously. Um, I think, and I think we can we can all say that. Uh, Everything we say is our opinion, right? So yeah, I, I'm not taking any offense to you guys not liking this movie, well, or Kevin not liking this movie, yeah, uh, at all. I, but I do want to argue a little bit, uh, obviously, because we're on a podcast. Yeah, yeah that's what you did. Um, that's the point. My 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 issue with that would be, uh, like, well, I mean, I've always been of the opinion that like I don't like rules, right? So I don't like rules in cinema or in in any kind of narrative art form. So like the idea that characters have to change is a rule, and I don't like that. But I do think it's necessary a lot of the time uh, for for characters to change. I think that's where the rule comes from. But I also don't think it's inherently necessary just because it's a it's a story. A character has to change, and I think that this is a this is a obviously a a, a story a film that is trying to be controversial is not the right word, but trying to be uh, against the grain, avant garde. Honestly, I mean, yeah. like trying to change mm-hmm. the narrative structure like now we're not we're, we're let, let's tell a story about a character who is despicable and another doesn't change it doesn't learn anything and the end of the movie he's the exact same person he was at the beginning maybe even worse like that i think that's yeah. the point of the film in my no, opinion. i think we can argue about that though actually well i i, I totally I might have a different totally reading see, on the on well the i totally see where did. john is coming from because like um i was watching an interview with uh alan moore and Stuart lee and he said he said, like, the kind of point of any kind of form or genre, like, it's never more interesting than when you're breaking the form, sure, breaking, yeah. break, you know, branching out of the genre. And I can totally see that as a, as a very valid viewpoint. Mm. In this, though, I don't think, I don't know, like, if you're going to break a rule, I feel like you have to establish the rule and then explain, you know, why you're breaking it, how you're breaking it. And, and m- most importantly, the reason that it needs to be broken. I don't feel like this film did that. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, it's just a, you know, a bunch of vignettes of a bunch of rich dickheads. Mm-hmm. 
And yes, you know, uh, I read read some of the stuff about it, and you know, John John makes a lot of good points. I personally, I well, like how would they eh. how would they establish that rule and then break it in this sense? I mean, they're pretty much just telling a story about these these guys and the way they are. So what's well, maybe what's may- wrong with that? I guess. Well, like uh, the the scene with the gardeners, yeah, like. He does not work for the gardening company, but he's acting like he does. Yeah. And this couple who own the house, like, they'll never see him again. So yeah. he kind of – so he, so he's not taking any kind of responsibility for what goes right or what goes wrong. Yeah. So maybe, maybe at some point, um, you know, he actually, I don't know, volunteers at a soup kitchen or something. Or – or like you know maybe maybe in the beginning or you know toward the middle of the movie you know he's gotten a girl pregnant and like with like with the seizure you know couldn't couldn't really care less yeah but maybe like you'd like to you, see more stakes being played in yeah, the film higher, like yeah you'd higher like stakes, to see like, or like his dad actually does die yeah. and now now he kind of has to be responsible you know it doesn't have to totally turn into um my own private Idaho where Keanu Reeves just you know does a total about face isn't it isn't um, the stop being a male whore isn't the, well. isn't the point of uh his dad but his dad is dying his dad will die yeah. I mean the point of I think the point of that is that his he but why do we care about his dad dying you don't why why doesn't he doesn't why doesn't he, he doesn't like, care but I'm well, okay he doesn't care because well obviously we don't know I mean I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with you about, like, I mean, maybe there could be, like, what scenes of, you know, them before he was sick and he treated them like a piece of shit or something. But, I mean, like, I'm not, I, that would be boring to me. Like, I don't think that's what this movie is. Mm-hmm. I, like, I think that it's it's fine to say this character doesn't care about his father. Like, he doesn't care if he's dying. He's And, and what's, what's more interesting to me is that, not that he's indifferent to his father dying, he's indifferent to the fact that he's about to get all his father's money. Like yeah. he's about to be a very, very rich person, more rich than he already is, and he doesn't even care about that. All he cares about it for is that it affords him the opportunity to do nothing. When does that get established, though, that he's going to inherit the money? Yeah, I don't well, think that really is. Like, I didn't get that from the film a whole lot. Like, other he could have been just—he could have been. Like, a, he's signing know, the huge... papers with his sister-in-law or whatever. Well, but... I mean, he—he—it's from what the film shows you, it's him and his brother, and his brother's in a mental hospital. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't who know else would what... inherit the. But how do you know? Like, I don't know. They don't really he, this, go this, into and, that. Uh, Tim, okay, the character of what Swanson, Swanson I think or his whatever. Name, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, they don't ever say his name. Again, I something I only got yeah. from IMDb. Right, yeah, yeah. I I only think, got that again, he's inherited money again, from IMDb. Only got his. Oh, see, I don't. I get it. I get it from the film that he's rich. Oh yeah, you get. He the says sense that he's, he's rich. rich in the film. He yeah. says I got lots. He pays of money. the taxi guy four hundred dollars. Well, right. so he yeah, says to the, be... the black guys in the bar. He says I got lots. I of got money, lots but of I money. Said, I only got twenty bucks on me now. You can't stab me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like he could be living off of a trust fund, and because he's been such a dick, like his dad might have written him out of a will. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, but look, that's like. Okay, I don't that, think that's. That kind I of think that's neither that kind here of nor there. It's like a like a jump in logic, though. I mean, like. From what from what I see in the film, he's got money and it's not going to change. He yeah, doesn't, he doesn't work and he doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's looking for a job, except for I mean, obviously he wants to work. Like he's doing like the whole. Uh, who's the guy who played uh, Latka? <laughs> Andy, Andy Kaufman. Andy yeah, Kaufman. He's Kaufman. doing the thing where he like works as a as a dishwasher. You know what I mean? He yeah, yeah. Work like he's just doing it to do something. Well, you know? he's got this like. Hipster malaise thing. Exactly. Going on. Yeah, just like exactly. Doesn't care about I don't anything. think the film's really concerned with like the inheritance or any of that. Like, you know, I that's, think it's a means. That's like background. Well, or that's whatever. a means. I, I don't. I don't. 
it's not concerned with the logistics of it, but it's definitely a part of the story because if it wasn't there, you'd have a a, a normal hipster who actually has to work for a living, yeah, has yeah. to struggle, and then there would be a well, conflict. But I, what I but mean is, like, his conflict is not that. His conflict is that I've got no conflict. Yeah, I got nothing to care about. But what, no what reason I'm, to care. What I mean is, like, his dad's dying. He's going to inherit all this money. One way or the other, he's rich and he doesn't care. Sure. You know, but I mean that's and, that, that's what I'm saying. That's the that's the heart of the story is that he doesn't. I mean, as much story as this movie has, that's the story is that yeah. he doesn't care and he doesn't he has no reason to start caring. Exactly. Like that's why all he does is entertain himself with these ridiculous because he knows there's no consequences. He can do it. And that's he wants. that's the word I was going to bring up. I think with Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong. Your your beef is like you want to see more consequences in the film like yeah he's a dick but let me see him like you know be impacted by some sort of consequence and then that like show show me some character development yeah because show me some of that ironic hipster skin start to kind of you know fall or crust off or yeah but because i mean it could end up being like uh there's that movie young adult with Mm. uh charlie theron Mm -hmm. Like, uh, she's a young adult ghost author. She goes home. Her high school sweetheart is getting married. And, you know, despite everything that she tries, she can't win Patrick Wilson back. She ends up sleeping with Patton Oswalt. The end of the movie is her, like, you know, you, you know, it gets to a point where, like, okay, well, she's slept with Patton Oswalt, who's, you know, Patton Oswalt, he's, you know, on the heavy side, and his character in the movie also has, like, a limb that hasn't developed properly. And, and he's been disfigured because yeah. he was beaten, wasn't he? Was that it? Yeah. It's been a long time. He was beaten um, by other kids when he was younger. Yeah, so, so you think, like, okay, well, you know, maybe she doesn't feel like, you know, she still needs to be with Patrick Wilson anymore. Maybe she can, you know, go on with her life, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and... No, she's the same as she was in the beginning of the movie. And you're saying that that is acceptable. I'm saying that you that like breaks that the that that breaks the form. I agree. And you like that movie? No, I didn't. No? I didn't say. I didn't say it was a good movie. Okay, I, I, I I'm just using it. As I will an example. say. I will say, Young Adult's a good movie, but I think Young Adult. It's been it's been too long since okay. I've seen it, it for me matter. to give I, an I, actual I don't value about judgment. Young adult doesn't matter. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for a Jason Reitman film, it's like easily the best. But the point is that uh, <laughs> the point is that. Uh, Young Adult's a good example, or any of Noah Baumbach's films are good examples of of movies that are about people who are are not good people. Like they're yeah. bad, they're bad, selfish people. I agree. Family. I feel like no, like if well, in that case, I would say that Noah Baumbach does a better job. I agree. Hang on, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't finish my thought. Um, as far as Young Adult, though, I think the Young Adult gets criticized because of that, because of her character not changing and uh, becoming a, a good person or learning a lesson or something at the end of the film. And uh, and I think that that's like the the main criticism it gets. And for me, that's the thing. That, again, that's the thing I like about it. Like I, I mean, yeah. beside the fact that I mean, I think Charlie Theron's very very good in it. Pat Oswalt's very very good in it. It's Jason Reitman. It's, it represents an incredible. Uh, Upswing for Jason Raymond's directing because I think he's a terrible director, except for that film. You don't and, like uh, Up in the Air? I, I did like Up in the Air. When I, did, <laughs> I don't like it now. I he did, did like, uh, Juno. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a big fan of Juno. I don't like Thank You for Smoking. I I, I used to like some of these films. I, I thought Thank You for Smoking was decent. I mean, I did too, but it's you know, I mean, yeah, it's been was, a long that time. Was yeah, years ago, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but you know, and and talking about, I think Noah Baumbach's a good a good reference point for this film. Yeah, I mean, especially something like Francis Ha. 
which oh, is yeah. about a hipster who is directionless, just like him, but is not dis- unlikable as he is, except for unless I think you're more frustrated with her character than mad at her for yeah. doing anything. But know? she okay. does, and not, and, and I she like does, she does she does change. Yes, and and not she in like a more, and more adult and responsible, not in a melodramatic way, but I, but I felt like he handled like in Francis Ha, great film. I'd highly recommend it. I felt like Bombach handled that hipsterdom, that hipster culture. Mm. Um, but he kind of gives you not a solution, but he gives you like he shows you like this character's progression and just kind of like it's a, about giving up yeah. on your dreams. Though. About giving up it's on your dreams. About being dream. realistic. About, about being realistic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and that's not necessarily it's not a um, melodramatic or kind of like a whimsical take on it. Like oh, everything works out fine in the end. Right. Uh, it's not it's not something most people want to say is like a message you want to put in your film. But I felt like mm. because of that it's uh it's realistic and um it hits home. You know, it's like oh sometimes you do have like these fantastical ideas about your life and then you have to just kinda of give up on that because it's not realistic. Yeah, I think that yeah. movies movies I mean his his movie that gets the most flack for unlikable characters is Margot at the, Margot at the wedding. Yeah. For Nicole Kidman just being a total, just horrible bitch in that movie. Mm. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's the same for that. Like, that young adult, this movie. I mean, yeah. like, these mo- you know, it's hard to get past for a lot of people, I think, just the despicableness or, yeah. you know, just this unrepentant, you know, rudeness but, of character. Yeah. I would say that's a bad reason to say a film is not a good film. I agree. You know, like, I, I, I take, I want to piggyback that with the... The whole idea of like, oh, well, the character doesn't change, you know, and also like if a, if there's unlikable characters, I don't think that's a valid reason to say like, oh, this isn't a well-made film or a well-done film. Um, those aren't the reasons that I didn't care for this film. But, but to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But to be clear. You didn't clear, care for this film. I, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't great to me. Because um, I think we're on you now. Yeah, we're on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, it had a lot of funny stuff. It, it made me laugh out loud for sure. And especially at things like I think John hit hit it on the money. Like things I didn't want to laugh out loud about. <laughs> things that were crude and obnoxious. They, I found myself like when he's doing that uh, Southern impersonation. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's some slave, slaves slave this year. <laughs> It's like that is horrible. Like nobody wants to laugh at that. But like his impersonation of like a southern plantation owner or something. I don't know. It's just so it's so ridiculous and over the top that it's it is really funny. Um, so I thought you know it did have funny parts in it. Uh, I thought it did portray the hipster culture really well. Like the constant irony, making fun of everything. Just this uh, indulgent of white privilege. You know, you get all that from this, and they're just unashamed about it. Um, and like some of the casual, casual conversations, like at parties where they're just like the banter between him and that girl at the beginning, you know, that felt very much like a hipster party where you're just trying to say Mm -hmm. funny stuff to like impress somebody. Mm -hmm. So it felt realistic in a lot of aspects. Um, so I do, I do give it that. And I, I did, it did feel like it was like a interesting critique of hipster culture and like constant irony. Like obviously, we're seeing these characters, you know, being constantly ironic, but it seems like the director's trying to blend all that in with like this sad emptiness that you feel from all these characters. So I felt like, you know, yeah, this guy's a huge like jerk, but I almost felt bad for him and a lot of the characters just because they look so sad in the film. It's just like they'll be cracking these jokes one minute, and then they then he just looks like the saddest man in the world, yeah. just sitting there with like his frowny well, face. Well, that's the direct. I mean, that thing says a lot of. 
a lot of that has to do with the direction and the, yeah. these like shots of just hanging on somebody's face. Yeah, where they're just completely like 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 that like the guy that the, the runt like you call him the yeah, guy yeah. that they make fun oh, of. Oh yeah, sad. Just, like, he's just yeah he's just Miserable. staring into space. Well, yeah, and it's know? like they're they're all miserable human beings because yeah, like their life is completely empty because all they do is just you know make fun of stuff. They're not sincere, and so like that doesn't give them any room to really enjoy anything. They're mm-hmm. they're trying to be funny and like have a good time, but you get the sense that like they're not even enjoying that. They're like it's like a Linklater film, but it's with characters who are completely vapid and like empty and soulless. Like in a Linklater film, it would be similar. Like it'd be characters just doing nothing, but they, but every once in a while you'd see him reading a book or enjoying yeah. a film yeah. or, or listening to music or something and like in like in a meaningful way. And these guys are just literally just like drinking beer and like making fun of each other. They like, do play the basketball game. They do know. that. That yeah. is that is probably the the the, the uh, one of the strangest moments. Like those two moments are really strange to me. Like when when they ride bikes. Yeah, and there's and then, that music playing. Yeah, like the just, cinematic just, music. Yeah, it's just very like uh, like where did this come from? Yeah, and then I also will say um, real quick just um, about the parts that I don't like. I James Murphy is in this from LCD Sound System, mm-hmm. and uh, he has a part when they go into the church and they're. Uh, Eric and him are at the holy water and he he and Eric's trying to show him how to do the holy water and he's like you just cross your face and then you you know and he and he's making a joke about it and then and then uh James Murphy does this silly thing where he takes the water and he puts it behind his ear oh, like it's yeah, cologne. Yeah. I yeah. felt like that was way too like I don't know, it felt written. I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure there's no script for this movie, but like, yeah. it felt like it was just like, that's such a jokey joke yeah. like, to make. Yeah. You know, well, I, didn't, I didn't like that at all. Jumping on your comment there, like, there was no script to the, for the movie. Yeah. Uh, it definitely, I could definitely tell in parts, like, a lot of improvisation, um, a lot of just kind of random scenes where, like, you can tell that you're just kind of running the camera and trying things. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, it, yeah, it has interesting, you know, critiques of, like, the, you know, irony. In hipster culture and like how like the emptiness of that kind of um, that kind of culture that irony but to me that's like all the film was like it was very one note like like kind of like Kevin said that first scene where he's he's kind of attacking the male nurse and that's pretty much what you get for the rest of the film is just like just random vignettes or scenes of them making fun of stuff and I mean, I can appreciate things are, you know, go, trying to kind of break the narrative form, um, but I feel like this film would have benefited from like a more polished script with some, you know, allowing the actors to improvise. But it felt like too random. Like it was just like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna set up this scene and we're just gonna try this, and they do some funny stuff, and then it moves on to the next scene. So parts of it, I'm like, why are we watching this? Like, why do I care? What's the point of this? Um, yeah, they're they're all miserable human beings that are making you know funny wisecracks at other people's expense. But in the end, that's just like all it was. I didn't I didn't get much more than that. But if we're gonna go into the ending, we'll talk a little bit about that. If y'all wanna sure open it up. So um, I did I did think this was an interesting aspect of the film, um, and I might have a different reading than y'all. I did like the ending. Uh, where he goes to the beach and he's playing on the beach with the mm. kid. At mm. first, like he's riding his bike and he's like, like the all right. So the whole time you feel like they're trying to 
I guess, get a rise out of other people, like making, you know, like just making fun of everybody, making fun of the uh, the taxi driver and everything. And we talked about Night on Earth and what we watched. I think it's an interesting parallel because he pays the taxi driver so he can drive his car. And that's like actually an experience that uh, Jarmusch had. And so in this film, he's paying the taxi uh, driver so he can drive his car. A little bit different because he's like, come on, come on, you know. Four hundred dollars. Let me drive your cab, you know. And then he he like he tries uh, to come on to that. He woman. tries to come on to this woman. And then he just leaves the taxi guy there, getting beat up That's by the amazing. woman, and he starts running. So I'm like, this guy sucks. I just want to punch this dude in the face. But again, it's not a good reason just to dislike a, a movie. Um, but yeah, so the ending, I, like the whole time, you get the sense like they're trying to kind of like push other people's buttons to just kind of wake themselves up in a way to like get a rise just like try, trying to get something out of life because they're all empty and miserable uh and there's a key scene in uh at the beginning the dialogue like the first dialogue of the film is uh, the nurse is like working with his dying dad at, in his home with like all the hospital equipment mm-hmm. and uh swanson the main character is like why do you got to push all those buttons and the male nurse is like well some sometimes things need to be reset Mm. and like my reading of that is that's pretty much what he's trying to do the whole film like he's pushing buttons trying to like reset himself like to get out of like this horrible state that he's stuck in and so at the end of the film he's riding his bike like i guess another sense of pushing his own buttons like he's riding it really fast he's sweating he's like overexerting himself and then he gets to the beach and he has that moment with the kid on the beach where, like, at first I'm like, why do, why do I care? Why am I watching this fat, like, half-naked man swim in the beach? Like, he's just doing more. He's, like, frolicking on the beach. I'm like, this is just more silly crap, like, that doesn't really go anywhere. But then the kid comes into the shot, and he starts playing with the kid. And, like, for the only moment in the film, I feel like he's actually being sincere there. Like, he's just, he's just being kid-like and having fun and splashing with the kid. And then the film ends. The kid is on his level. Yeah, the, the kid's on his level. <laughs> yeah, he's not making I, fun of the kid. He's not being ironic. He's just sure, yeah. He's just like, I guess he's reset himself. I don't know where he's going to go that's from an there. That's interesting uh, reading. I didn't but, know yeah. about that. For that, for that scene, the, the way it ended, I'm like, okay. Jordan loves this movie. I didn't say I love it. It definitely has, it definitely has problems. But I'm like, okay, he, you know pushing your own buttons like bringing yourself to the edge or whatever to like you know reset yourself but i'm like all right that's kind of a a thin metaphor for what's going on here you know just i don't know the bike thing again he's like riding this hipster bike so that that kind of bothered me and i don't know (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's just like it's all one note for me it's just like it didn't like all these random pieces of the different moments where they're just kind of being ridiculous it didn't add up for me i I did enjoy aspects of it but you mentioned the um the slideshow scene where the, he's like showing slides of his family and then he's got porn mixed in yeah. and they're all yeah. just sitting there sad like nobody's actually enjoying they yeah they're not reacting yeah. I'm like what's like why am I watching this like who like why do I care like what is this supposed to mean I don't know they're, that was my least favorite moment of the movie they're soul dead they that's are, they are <laughs> that's what it means they are soul dead they, I'm serious that, that's what that scene means to me is that yeah. they're completely gone at that point it's like now <clears throat> 
they were at least reacting to the family photos. Now the porn comes on and they're just like they're just looking at it. like they don't even care. Doesn't <laughs> arouse them, doesn't excite yeah. them, doesn't warrant any kind of comment and then it just clicks to the next slide yeah. of a family again. But for me like that's all the film is and like they're yeah, you're right. They are soul dead, but I feel like I'm almost being beat over the head with that for most of the film. Like, yeah. oh, they're they're being funny, they're ridiculous. But look, what? Wait a minute, let's blend this with look how sad they are too. I'm just like, okay, I get the point. You know, like I don't need to see it 50 times of them making a joke and them looking sad. Like, okay, let's do something else. Sure. Know, that's yeah. how I felt about it's it. It's a very uh, well thought out critique. Thank you. Appreciate it. I still love it. All right, <laughs> five out of five. Five out of five. All right, well, let's let's get to it, Kev. Uh, we're gonna reveal our truth. So let, I'm going first. Star let's just, let me just remind uh, you guys. Both thought each other would give it a one star. We both thought we'd give it a one star. Okay, so yeah. let's reveal. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a five, Kevin. Well. It's funny because Jordan's actually known me longer than Jonathan has, but. Jonathan was Half right. Half a star. Half a star. Half a star. I knew you were going to be low on this, but I didn't know how low you'd go. So you went pretty low. The waitress was cute. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's all you got. That's it. Yeah, and For the me. seizure scene. Okay, but let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this before oh. you reveal your rating. All right. Because it might influence your rating. You think about this scene. <laughs> I can't change what's on the paper, man. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But seriously, all right. how good is that moment? When he's brushing his teeth and he brushes his he brushes beard. His beard. <laughs> That's so right. good. I did like the scenes uh, where he's a dishwasher because yeah. I was a dishwasher. We were Me we too. were both yeah. dishwashers oh, yeah. in the past at Whole Foods. It brings back a lot of memories. It brought back oh. some memories. I'm like, just being ridiculous in the dish room. I, he's got I, the, I, I the tray it. of plates. Miss it. You miss it. I do. Wow. I miss yeah, it. you're a school teacher now, it's so just, you would. No, it's just like, if I could wash dishes and make the money I make school teaching, I would totally do it. Yeah. It's just such a yeah. Responsibility list job. <laughs> that's why he just takes wash it, right? dishes and throw them out. That's it. It's just, also, when he cuts his hand, he's like, "Oh, fuck!" You yeah, know, yeah. He's just, yeah. That's one of the two moments in the film where he displays like anger as an emotion, and it's that mm. moment. And then when he's on the phone later uh, in the pool, and, and then he said in, in that abandoned in yeah. his father's place, he's like, "I sound like I'm on my effing boat." Yeah, he's like you know, and it's like uh, I remember thinking that that was kind of weird. It's like because you don't ever see him like getting angry, really. But jolt, yeah, right. kind of jolts you out of the insincerity. Yeah, exactly. Also, when he's, he's uh, being sincere about the anger that he's yeah, feeling. right. Also, when he's in the interview for the dishwasher job, and he's like, "Yeah, I can work that." Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, but I mean, yeah. that's also he's being fake right there. He's yeah, pretending yeah, yeah. to be a good good person. But at least he's <laughs> at least it's a different moment where he's not just being ironic. I should know? say too. Speaking of uh, entertainment earlier, and Greg Turkington, his scene with Greg Turkington. Where they talk about the hobos and the- <laughs> oh, dude, so rough. That's so so good. rough. I laughed so hard. At I that. mean, again, funny, <laughs> funny Whatever, stuff. Man. <laughs> All right, funny stuff. I guess scalper, scalpel. <laughs> All right, funny stuff. Kind of over the top and ridiculous. But I felt like a lot of that could just be cut. Like, really, what what am, what is that doing? For the film, what is it doing for Being the story? Funny. Just, just showing <laughs> characters like improvising ridiculous comedy. I don't know. Well, again, being uh, I felt like I, I'm just watching I don't, I don't two think... stand-up comedians just like work through some some improv <laughs> I mean, or possibly, something. Possibly, but like the, the again, the part, I think part of the film is part of the film's goal is also to make you uncomfortable, True. And to make you laugh at things you, you wouldn't normally or want to laugh at, and I think that's another example of that. It's like, like. 
for instance, like if I showed that to like if I if I somehow got Nicole, my wife, to watch this movie, which I would, which she would, because she would just she would hate this movie with a passion more than you guys do. Yeah, she'd give it a zero. But like (laughs) if I got her to watch it, she would laugh at that scene though. Yeah, begrudgingly. Yeah, and I did too. She wouldn't want to laugh at. She'd be like mad that like why are you making me laugh at this? Like I don't want (laughs) to laugh at this. I don't want to accept this as funny. You know what I mean? And that's part of it too. It's trying to be abrasive. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, I get that. All so, right. Jordan's rating. So, I'm going to reveal my rating here on my little post-it note, if I can get it open. <laughs> All right, I gave it 2.75. Wow! Are you blown away? I'm a little blown away. Um, I said two. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about crazy. giving it a 2.5, and I was like... <laughs> All right, again, to me, 2.5, that's like, that's like failing. That's not that's barely passable. I thought this was maybe passable. That's wow. What I, okay, that, was my, that was my reaction. I'll maybe passable. I like some elements of it. I like, you know, some of the, you know, like you said, it's abrasive. It's trying to break these, the break the narrative form. It's like these different vignettes. And the ending, like I said, I, I, I like that. Uh, that connection with the dialogue in the beginning and the the beach scene and everything. So I didn't think it was totally unredeemable, but felt a little just off, too off the cuff. Needed a bit more polishing up. So but, who yeah. won that? Two point seven five. Technically won. Jordan. Or you won because you picked one and he got half, right? Yeah, because yeah, he was closer That's to my close. actual I was rating. Closer. So, so we don't need to do trivia. Don't need to we do can, trivia. We still do a little bit. We still do a little bit, but we're <laughs> yeah, at uh, yeah. 45 minutes here. Sorry. All right, so I win the, the Battle of the Stars. Jordan I get wins to, the inaugural Battle the of inaugural. the Stars. So I get to assign you a film. I want to talk about this real quick. All right. All, All right. right, so the film I'm going to assign you uh, on another uh, podcast, our Baton Rouge Film Club podcast. We talked a little bit about uh, David Gordon Green. Mm-hmm. How you watched George Washington, didn't mm-hmm. care for it. Mm-hmm. So in the vein of John, I don't think you'd maybe ever go after a whole lot more of David Gordon Green because we discussed he's another director's kind of fallen from his high horse in a way, produced a lot of bad comedies and various stuff. I didn't, and I picked this uh, this watch for you, not realizing that David Gordon Green was actually the executive producer of the comedy. Is that uh, right? I didn't even know yeah, that. he he executive <laughs> produced the comedy, so this is all in connection here. So I'm going to sign you the movie All the Real Girls. All the Real Girls, which okay. is his second film after George Washington. I think a much better film. Okay, um, it's got a, a young Paul Schneider who was in George Washington. I don't know if y'all remember who Paul Schneider is. Oh, yeah, he was in Elizabethtown, yeah, yeah, yeah. the goofy cousin or whatever. But I love him. I think he's a he's a great actor. Uh, he he kind of got his start with David Gordon Green. They made some shorts together in these two films he's also got uh what's that he's in parks rec um but it's also got zoe deschanel who's you know always lovely gross all right (laughs) gross but i it's a good film um it's about like a young casanova like guy who just you know is a womanizer in like a small southern town and then he ends up meeting his best friend's uh, little sister who's come back from prep school and now she, you know he falls in love with her and he's got to like overcome this reputation that he's got so i hope you enjoy it maybe you won't but you got to watch it either way <laughs> okay all right awesome. all the real girls so and that'll be a new segment on next week's film little, yak podcast little, little trivia little trivia yeah we can get in some yeah, trivia let's here some let's trivia. do let's do like two a piece all right how about right. that okay i'm gonna give you guys two cards each and then we'll ask them like that, yeah? 
Sounds all right. good. Oh, let me just turn them up. Now, now, I have general trivia, but I also have director cards. All right. So what do you want to do? Let's do the director. No yeah. directors? You guys director want, you guys trivia. Want, you want to get destroyed. I understand. <laughs> there you go. I'm doing it. two for you. All right. All right. <clears throat> and then I've got two. Okay. So, um, I guess I'll, 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 we'll do it, uh, what is that, clockwise? No, it's counterclockwise. We'll go clockwise. I'll ask Kevin. Kevin will ask you. You'll ask me. All right. Deal? Deal. Okay. Number one. Hmm. Who directed the 1982 sci-fi film Blade Runner? <laughs> wow. It's a, it's a curveball. Oh, it's a hard wow. one. Wow. Hard one there. Gee. I didn't know these were going to be want, so hard. Do you want multiple choice? <laughs> I have them. <laughs> Ridley Scott. Okay, good. Yeah. All I right. hope you know that. Yeah. Your, your turn to go, go to Jordan. Okay. Jordan. Who directed the 2000 action film The Patriot? Oh, God. Can uh, I steal? <laughs> um, I know Mel Gibson was in it. I don't think he directed it. I see, I, if he uh, doesn't get it, I want to steal. Um, I would not have thought. Can I have uh, the multiple choice? Oh, good job, yeah. Okay. A, Roland Emmerich. B, Mel Gibson. C, Rennie Harlan. D, John McTiernan. Uh, I have no idea. I'm just going to go with D, John McTiernan. Oh, can I go? John, pick up the point. Roland Emmerich. Oh, <laughs> I would not Director have of Independence that. Day. Oh, wow. I would have not known Independence that. Day, 20,000 years, blah, blah, blah. 10,000 years BC or, or 10,000 BC. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. And he also did uh, Disaster the, new, movies. the new Independence Day. He did uh, 2012. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If right. the world's being God's, destroyed, it's Roland Emmerich the, behind it. The 1997 Godzilla. All right, John, I've got a question for you. Let's do it. Who directed the 1993 drama of mice and men that's hard written you know the based on the yeah, book uh, john steinbeck stars john malkovich and dustin hoffman who, who who's who are my options all right here? a john malkovich b gary sinise c edward zwick or d catherine bigelow i know it's not zwick or bigelow i think it's gary sinise you are right. Yeah. You got it. All right. All right. All right. All right. Speaking um, of Matthew McConaughey. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Yes, um, they do. Yes, they do. Let's see. Uh, all right. We got one more for each of us. These are all too easy. Oh, here we go. Who directed the 1943 classic Casablanca? Oh, man. You need. I have options if you need them. I would like the options, please. A, Michael Curtiz. B, John Houston, C. John Ford, or D. Arthur Hiller. Curtis. Curtis is correct. Okay. Good wow. job. Jordash. What's up? Jordash. Okay. Jordash jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which film was not directed by Brian De Palma? A. Snake Eyes. B. Mission to Mars. C. Carlito's Way. D. The game. Mm, the game. Right. That was David Fincher. That was right? David Fincher. Good work. All right. In my opinion, one of his, if not the best, one of his it's up there. top best Just movies. rewatched yeah. it not too long ago. Never yeah. seen Mission very, to Mars. Very, very I wasn't sure about that. Mission to Mars is terrible. Okay, it's pretty <laughs> terrible. All right. These are all really easy. You want another one? Um, <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. Give me another one. You would know all these. I'm pretty I sure. I know them all. Like he doesn't know those either. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, speak. All right. This is perfect. 
Speaking of James Bond, who directed the 1999 Bond film, The World is Not Enough? Not enough. Ninety nine. I don't need options. Options? All right. Is Lee Tamahori an option? No. Okay, I'm in the option. <laughs> <laughs> That's your guess. No, you no, blew it. I mean, uh, All right. <laughs> options: A. Richard Donner. No. B. Barry Sonnenfeld. No. no. C. David Cronenberg. No. D. D. <laughs> D. Michael Apted. That guy. <laughs> yeah. Apted. Whoever that is. <laughs> he's somebody. He's just, I don't remember any movies he's directed, but he is a somebody. He's directed some stuff. All right. Yeah. That was fun. Well, uh, yeah. up next, uh, next week, we're going to do another deep dive movie review on Kevin's pick, The Battle of Algiers. So that's a uh, top-rated film on the Criterion Collection. So uh, if you want, you can go check it out on iTunes or YouTube or wherever you get your movies. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. And uh, if you want, you can check out our website. That's filmiacpodcast.com. And you can email us if you have movie recommendations. If you want to shoot us your uh, top ten list, we'd be happy to to look at that maybe we'll mention it on the show so email us over at feedback at filmyakpodcast.com alright so we'll see you next week for more Film Yak <laughs>